Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. Good to be in your ears. This is sponsored by Betfair. This podcast talks about betting, gambling. George Ellick and myself, Ali Maxwell, making weekend picks in the EFL. And therefore, this podcast is very strictly for over 18s only. And if you are listening and if you are thinking of placing a bet this weekend or any time, we demand that you be gamble aware. Head to begambleaware.org for more information about the risks that come with gambling and how to manage them. Never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase your losses. I'm Ali and the PGA Tours George Ellick is here with me. Hello. It's funny you say that because I was um, standing on the sixth tee at TPC Sawgrass, a dream come true to be there. And I was playing so well that my brother turned, I hit an unbelievable drive straight down the middle. My brother turned to me and was like, keep playing like this, you'd make the, you'd make the part the players. And then I three-putted on that green and then lost my ball into the water on the next. And mm. it's all his fault. He basically starved me of having a, a level par round at the <laughs> TPC Sawgrass. It's- also, me and, my, me and my mate beat him seven and six, him and his, him and his mate in the game. But on the famous 17th, me and my partner, Tommy, both hit our balls into the water. They hit theirs on the green and got a birdie and a par. And I think probably they left the course feeling happier than we did, despite the fact that we'd absolutely battered them. So interesting. Golf. What a sport. We did play the Slovenian national team cricket, but Robert Corrin and co did not play. Uh, I'm pleased to say that we battered them in the 40 over game uh, and they battered us in both T20 games on Sunday. So we're taking the moral victory. Uh, We certainly won the purer version of the sport. Hope you enjoyed the interview pod on Monday. Hope you enjoyed my express recap of the EFL weekend on Tuesday. That was as much for me to catch up as it was for anyone else. Uh, Now it's time for the betting show. Uh, Last week, we had a couple of winners. Still not quite where we want to be. I think it's fair to say, George, a lovely Josh Sargent goal. Uh, early on Saturday to celebrate in Sargent's native United States. I'm sure you did when you woke up and saw that. Uh, I got Carlisle up as my next best at home to Jill's and Wimbledon beat and Barrow BTTS. No, our double lay of Derby was frustrating. They scored two in the last few minutes to win from behind, which was tough to take. But crucially, neither of our naps won West Brom and Millwall on the hit list. Not good enough. So let's tackle this weekend, George, and let's keep our balls out the water. What's your <laughs> Yeah, two more draws in my my nap and my next best, making it seven from eight so far that have ended in, in draws. So if you if you want to follow trends, uh, this is the way to do it. Back a draw. But I'm backing is my nap. I'm backing Sutton uh, to be Harrogate at 19 to 20. Uh, the current price is slightly on the drift. Um, I think Sutton are showing or have shown me enough in the early part of the season to suggest that last season was no fluke. Um, we've been lucky enough to be sent the great Fox Punter ratings um, from the season thus far. And if you're looking at the season to date, uh, Sutton ranked fifth uh, with an XG ratio of 63%. And that has been, for the most part, borne out in the results as well. You know, they look exactly the same side uh, that we saw last season. Uh, very, very proficient from set pieces, able to beat some of the better teams in the league. You know, we've seen them at home already this season beat Mansfield, who started the season pretty well given their tough fixtures, and also beat Barrow. Uh, Barrow have won every other game apart from the one that they lost against Sutton. Um, and those have been their their two exploits at home this season, as well as an opening day draw at home to, to Newport, which is nothing to be too worried about. And I think we can say the same for Harrogate, who've also been pretty much the same team that we saw struggle towards the back end of last season. 
you're looking at the XG side of things, there's nothing to, to really massively worry about. They're kind of mid-table with a 50% XG ratio, but the results have been very, very poor. Um, if you're looking at their league form recently, yeah, they've lost their last two. Um, they were beaten 4-0 at home by, by Newport last time out. Um, and away form also not particularly good. You know, we've seen them be beaten to nil by both Barrow and Crew. Crew beating them 3-0. Uh, early on in the campaign and they failed to see off a Crawley side um, who are yet to win a game too. Um, their only victory so far coming up, up against um, struggling Gillingham. So I, I don't think there's too much to be positive about in terms of Harrogate's performances so far. I don't think there are any, you know, if you think back to this time last season, uh, we were raving about Luke Armstrong who'd started the season incredibly quickly. Um, they are struggling for goals. Uh, Jack Muldoon uh, has got one so far, uh, who's the only striker that's found, that's found the the score sheet. Um, so two sides, I guess, with kind of similar-ish profiles, Sutton coming up from the National League a season after Harrogate. But it does feel like Harrogate's trend is back now downwards um, towards the, the lower half of, of League Two, whereas on the evidence I'm seeing so far, there's no reason why Sutton won't be a side who, again, at the very least flirt with the playoffs. Um, so I was surprised. I, I guess maybe it's because the, the data side of things with, with Harrogate uh, isn't quite as bad as their results. It's probably why we're getting you know near enough e- even money about the home side here. But I think if we take the continuity that we've seen with both sides in terms of management and players, and we look at the, both of these, these teams over the last twelve months, there's absolutely no doubt to me that Sutton should be um, you know heavily odds on at home uh, against a side who are inferior to them. So, at any given time amongst the seventy-two, there are some teams where you don't have a particularly clear picture of who they are, what they are, how good they are or not. With these two teams, it feels like quite a clear yeah, picture. Yeah, it, it feels like it's exactly the same. Um, and I think if this game had happened in April, for example, then we wouldn't be getting 19 to 20. And, and I don't really see why um, it, it should have changed since then on the basis of what we've seen so far this season. So yeah, 19 to 20 about Sutton at home is my nap. Well, I think there's a chance I'm going to lend my support to your nap, not by double napping it, not by picking it, but I might <laughs> go to backing it. No, I might go yeah. to this game. I think I'm going to go to Sutton Harrogate. I think I might double up this weekend. Sutton Harrogate, Reading Stoke. So get ready for some breaking down of those games on the Monday pod. My nap's also in League Two. And this is the culmination of a stance battle. This is the year of the stance. And it's the third time in a matter of four or five weeks that I've picked Carlisle United to win a football match on this betting show. They are my nap. 2.15, 23-20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. They are at home to Rochdale. And it's the culmination of a stance battle because it's going to be best of three. It's currently 1-1 between myself and the Betfair Sportsbook. We double-napped them against Swindon a couple of weeks ago. They drew 1-1, missed some huge chances in that game. I still have nightmares about Omari Patrick's miss in particular. Then last week, my next best against Jills. I think it was 13-10. Uh, they won that one 1-0 probably playing worse than they did against Swindon, only 0.35 XG generated, but they did put together one very slick attack, finished off by the left centre-back, Mellish scoring an open play. Good to see. I still think overall, despite that maybe slightly under par performance, that Carlisle are in decent nick, are a good team. Uh, I go as, I probably won't go as far as to say good just yet. I'm going to say definitely an above average League Two side. Um, they're well coached. They're well drilled. Um, they've got a pretty good continuity of, of selection at the moment and a core of players who, who understand their roles, particularly Armour and Finley back. The wingbacks have impressed. Moxon and Guy in midfield. There's just a couple of good duos all over the pitch. Up front, 
one high performing player and one less so. Uh, Christian Dennis, I mentioned last week, didn't score last week, but still has five in six games in all comps. Uh, I'd like to see more from Omari Patrick. He has come into the team. Edmondson's dropped out, who started the first few games. That's what I was calling for because I rate Patrick and I think on his day he can be exceptional. So far, he's looked a little rusty. He's not looked too sharp in front of goal. Hopefully this will be the day. And then Rochdale, their opponent, obviously they've only got one point from six games. That was last week, a home draw to Crawley uh, with no one. Well, obviously there was someone in the dugout, but no permanent manager in the dugout. They now have Jim Bentley at the helm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jim Bentley's appointment, we're going to talk about in depth on Monday. We're also going to talk about Alex Neal's appointment at Stoke in depth on Monday. Of course, there is that new manager bounce fear here. Uh, that That's what makes me think this price might be a bit trappy. I could well be a large, stupid trout in a fishing lake, seeing something no. tasty shimmering in the watery sunlight. There's a chance. No. There's a chance. But if I'm honest, my first thought with Bentley was... The style of play that Rochdale have played since the start of last season and potentially the makeup of the squad didn't seem like an obvious fit for Bentley. And then he himself said the same thing in his uh, first ever interview as Rochdale manager. He talked about the squad being recruited to Stockdale style and his style might not be in line with that were his words. Uh, Dale have offered next to nothing going forward so far, despite looking to play a technical approach. Bentley might look to play more direct. Just don't know if they have the players for that. They've got a few older players, 30 and older, uh, in Henderson and A.D. White, Diagaraga, Ebanks Landales just hit 30. And I think these guys will be sort of Bentley's key men, his soldiers, if you will. But then mostly a squad of young, experienced players, particularly in attacking areas, not necessarily a group I consider to be Jim Bentley players, uh, although we will see. That could be wide of the mark. I think we can expect them to go back to basics, Rochdale, and try and just grind something out here, scrap and fight and battle for everything in the image of that new manager bounce. But on balance, I still think Carlisle are settled. I think they know how to go about this one, whereas Rochdale and Bentley just getting to know each other. I must admit, George, I was fully expecting Carlisle to be odds against. So hugely happy to take them as my nap at the price of 2.15, to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And it's my next best. So Wait. look at that. You've done, I mean, I've written pages here to justify my selection and then you've just done it all for me um what i what i will do is pick up on i'll do my my yearly manager bounce spiel yes where the, the trap for me here is those who back rochdale expecting a new manager bounce in my view um new manager bounce in my opinion um will only really exist if the manager is incredibly destructive character i think generally all it is is when you see natural variance taking its course, where a manager is normally going to get sacked to the end of a very, very poor run of, of, of defeats, quite often the performances won't be quite as bad as the results are. And therefore, naturally, a continuation of a similar level of performance will see uh, results upturn. With Rochdale, I don't really think that's the case because the result, the performances have been as bad as the results. As you say, they create next to nothing going forward. They haven't been the worst defensively. Um, you know, they've still got a, a heavily negative X, XG ratio, so they are still conceding better chances they create. Um, but they're also not being thrashed regularly. You know, they're, they're losing games, pretty low margin games, but they're because they're not creating anything and because they aren't particularly solid at the back, it means if they concede a goal, generally generally they're losing. Um, so I think you're asking a lot of, of Jim Bentley to come in and immediately make them either better going forward or better defensively to the extent that they will go to a Carlisle side who I think have been... Um, well, I, I think data-wise, they're one of the 
early ones to look out for this season where they haven't necessarily had the run of the green. Interesting on that new manager bounce topic where they obviously had that incredible run under Paul Simpson last season. Uh, are we now seeing a bit of reversion to the mean off the back of that where they're now still playing very well but not getting the the, the wins that they, they maybe deserve? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it, at odds against, as you say, it, it's too good an opportunity to pass up um, where there's too much... I don't know, narrative based in the price at this stage, uh, in my opinion, because if it was still Stockdale uh, in charge at Rochdale, I think um, every man and his dog would be back in Carlisle this weekend. So I'm going to Sutton to support your nap, which means you might need to get booking a train to Carlisle. To oh my goodness. Our nap next best double. Um, my next best is in League Can One. I take my golf clubs again. Yes, please. I re- I'd recommend Kendall Golf Club. I shot a good solo cool. around there. In, in yeah, I remember that. You. You went around on your own and shot eight under, didn't you? That was mm. pretty weird. Had an incredible scotch egg <laughs> on the way. Cambridge at home to Lincoln's my next best. Cambridge at 2.45, 29 to 20 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And I think Cambridge have been very impressive. And not just like, oh yeah, Cambridge are impressive under Bonner and have been for two years. But I think better even than last season where they were hugely impressive. I've definitely upgraded them in my brain this week after looking into League One early season numbers and the fixture list as well. The, the reason I was most interested in the fixture list for League One versus League Two in the Championship was partly because it, it's just in my head, it's 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 a bit more simple. Like we had such a clear top 12, big 12, if you like, in League One. The, the, two, the 12 teams we had in the top half in our 1-24s and we felt like there was a pretty clear gap between them and the, the bottom 12, so to speak. Now, at the moment, only nine of the 12 are in the top half after six games. Obviously, Oxford, MK and Barnsley have started slow. I, just, I still think it's more likely than not that those three punch their way into the, the top half. But I think Cambridge might be best placed to be the one to upset the apple cart, as Accrington did last season and finished 12th or 11th or something. I think they've been more impressive than, say, Exeter, who also had a strong start. And part of the reason for that is Cambridge have already played four of their six games against League One's quote-unquote Big 12, um, the, the top half in our 1-24s, and they've picked up 10 points from six games. So I think that start should be applauded compared with Exeter, who've got eight points from their start, but only played one team from those Big 12, so have a, a, a tougher run to come. Cambridge have won all three games at home this season against Burton, Exeter and MK Dons. Kind of different types of win. That really messy 4-3 win against Burton last week where they won. And I sort of was also quite unimpressed with how they handled that game, given Burton were were down to 10 men after 10 minutes. Uh, Even so, the underlying numbers are pretty sturdy indeed, uh, especially taking into account that fixture list. And I just think they've, they've gone up a level on an attacking sense whether it's Smith and Ironside, who were so good last season, both scored 20 goals, I think, in all comps. But then the addition of Nibs, who's been on really good form, and Shiloh Tracy, who looks very sharp at the moment. Jack Lancaster, who's coming off the bench, who's already set up a a winning goal and scored a winning goal this season off the bench. Brophy as well, down the left side, looking quite good. I I think on top of what has always been a pretty sturdy structure, uh, Bonner has progressed Cambridge going forward, and that should take them higher, should take them forward. They're up against Lincoln, not hugely impressive so far, I don't think. You know, it's it's is it ironic? It's it's funny anyway that we watched their best moment so far this season at the Kassam, a sort of backs to the wall win against Oxford, where they made the most of some some shoddy play uh, in Oxford's back line to score two in the first half, and then kind of clung on. Apart from that, away from home, they've lost four 0 to Posh, drew nil all at Pompey. Again, backs against the wall there. 
and I think it's probably that four point points return away from home that might play into the price and, and make Cambridge a price that I think looks yeah quite juicy that I was surprised and delighted to see. Lincoln are creating very little from open play. Um, they've taken the fewest open play shots per game. Teddy Bishop's been good recently, scored a brace last weekend and in midweek as well, sort of midfield goal threat. But Scully went late last night to Wigan. And I know Lincoln fans think that his standards have dropped um, in the last few months, but still probably their most dependable goal threat, given that Hopper is their main striker, doesn't really score, brings others into play. But with Scully gone, I'm very concerned about where the goals will come from. I like Garrick. I like Jack Diamond, who they've got on loan as well, as wide options. But I don't think either offers the goal threat of Scully. So I think Cambridge can keep this tight. And I think they've just kicked on going forward. And they now have enough that I'd back them to, to score one or two in every game, against, uh, particularly against teams uh, in the so-called bottom 12. I think they're performing much better this season. And at this price, at home, I'm keen to be on. So Cambridge, my next best, 29 to 20, 2.45 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Don't forget, it's Bet 10, Get 2 which means if you bet £10 on Ackers this season on the Betfair Sportsbook, you'll get a £2 free bet. T's and C's in the description, in the bio of this podcast. Check them out. Bet 10, get two on the Betfair Sportsbook. Heading to its twin, the exchange now, George, for a lay. Going back to the well, back to laying Derby at home. You know, I did it last week at home to Peterborough. It looked briefly like it was going to cop, even though Posh were down to 10 men when they took the lead. But a late show from Derby, uh, saw them win the game 2-1. But again, I've laid them at 1.88 at home to Plymouth. And and I, I still just don't think the world has woken up to how good Plymouth are. They've been so impressive so far this season. Um, there is one very noisy result that kind of sticks out like a, like a bit of a sore thumb, and that is the defeat against Charlton, where they lost 5-1 away from home. But the important thing to remember with that game is the red card fairly early on to Wilson that, that meant that they were down to 10 men and I think they kind of down tools. Since then, uh, they've gone to Forest Green. Um, they've they've shown that any doubts about their away form, uh, you know, we can probably put to rest with a resounding 3-0 win. And then they hosted Bolton, another side who started the season pretty well. We've got a lot of respect for and they and they brushed them aside 2-0. I think Plymouth Argyle at home so far have been one of the best iterations. You know, Plymouth at home, Posh at home, um, and then some would say Derby at home because Derby's home record is is very impressive. But as I said last week, unlike Posh and Argyle, and to an extent Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich as well, Derby's home wins just aren't quite as dominant as as their counterparts. You know, I just mentioned that they were one 0 down, uh, Posh having scored when they were down to ten men, um, and they came back on that game two one thanks to having a man advantage. They then beat Oxford 1-0 on opening day with a, a good Harrahan strike later in the second half. And then they beat Barnsley 2-1. Now, of course, Oxford, Barnsley and Peterborough uh, are fairly difficult games, you know, when you consider, as you mentioned, that top 12. But the, just the level of superiority over the other teams isn't that high. And I still think that if Argyle turn up and put in the kind of displays that we've seen them put in, in the home games against Peterborough and, um, and Bolton in the away game against Forest Green, I don't think there'll be much between these two at all. And I think the, you know, Derby being Derby, being the size, you know, the perceived size that they are, being the club that they are, and having picked up nine points from nine in their first three games makes their price just a little bit wrong. Um, in my point of view, it just makes it a little bit, you know, um, noisy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, they were, as I mentioned, fortunate in my, in my mind to, to, well, not fortunate, but they had, a, they had luck on their side. 
um, and the numerical advantage last weekend when that went down and, and kind of the similar price um, against a team that I see as being of a similar quality. Um, I see no reason to go to get back involved in, and I think it's only a matter of time, basically, until Derby do drop points at home. Well, I'm laying Oxford United at oh, 1.7 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, they are playing... XG at darlings of the, of the league, you absolute <laughs> fraud. Small sample size, XG darlings, Oxford United. Um, they're at home to Burton Albion, who uh, have been one of the worst teams in the 72 uh, this uh, this season already so uh, it's a bit of a lively one but I'll try and explain now uh, there's bits on both sides here Oxford I am concerned about uh, that's nothing new to listeners of the pod over the last few weeks concerned with what I've seen on the field over the last well since the start of the start of the season start of the start of the season sound <laughs> the start of your weekend um, and I've been concerned with what I've seen described on Twitter uh, by some Oxford fans as a shambles off the field um, where it's just been a confusing summer, a confusing transfer window, a confusing end to it. And in general, a sense that things are a little bit loose, shall we say. Um, seven points from six on the pitch. Oxford have only played one game so far against fellow supposed top 12 teams, of which they cur- currently are not one, um, and five against so-called bottom 12 teams those are the teams that yellow is normally pretty good at tucking away instead through five it's two wins one draw and two defeats in oxford's last league game back five of golding long finley brown and seddon it's not good it's not good enough for for where oxford think they should be uh, the midfield obviously with mcguain and Brannigan and Bate is hugely talented, um, lacked a bit of cohesion when we saw them play against Lincoln, but but probably uh, improving week to week. And then Matty Taylor up front, no league goals yet. Um, and obviously... Carl never scores in August. Never scores him in August. Him and Harry Kane, yeah. I wish you told me that before I made this my <laughs> day pick. Um, so I'm afraid at this moment in time, I've basically downgraded Yellows to being the worst of the big 12 teams that we had in our one to 24s along with MK Dons, but I'm probably just more confident in MK Dons's potential improvement than Oxford's just because I get a bit of a messy vibe at the moment. Um, Might prove me wrong. There's a bit about Burton here as well. I'm going to try and make the case for Burton being potentially not quite as shambolic as results suggest. Some freak things have happened in, in Burton's first six games, right? Against Wickham on opening day, they conceded three worldies in the first half an hour. Against Bristol Rovers' second game, Shaughnessy was sent off in the first minute and and Rovers uh, scored the resulting free kick and then thumped him. Against Accrington, Burton were 3-0 up and drew 4-4. Against Ipswich, they played really well and lost 1-0. It's probably their best performance of the season. Um, They lost 2-0 to Vale. That's probably the worst one, the one where there was less of a freak nature to the result. It was just a bad performance. And then Cambridge away last weekend, 1-0 up. Down to 10 men again, this time after 10 minutes, 2-1 up, 3-2 up, loose 4-3. So there's obviously clearly a, a huge lack of grit and an absence of defensive structure. They they cope terribly with any setback. And there's every chance that Oxford can just cash in here and build up their confidence. But I also think there's something in the extent to which so much freak, weird, random stuff has happened in a short period of time in six games. The sort of stuff that that doesn't happen every single game or every single week to, to any team. And I think it's more likely that some game soon something goes their way. So while they're still, um, uh, you know, priced up as basically the worst team in the league, aside from Morecambe, uh, I, I just want to try and get in front of it. Maybe it's something to do with the manager and how he's sending them out 
and then being unmotivated or whatever. Um, but I think they've shown they can hurt teams going forward against Accrington, against Cambridge as well. And if Oxford aren't on their game, don't be surprised if Keeler Dunn thumps one in uh, or a header from Brayford or Hughes from a set piece. I can see either of those happening. So I'm going to take on Oxford, uh, 1.7 the lay with the Betfair exchange, which leaves goals and goal scorers. Just on the Oxford thing as well. I mean, I was being facetious at the top. It definitely hasn't been good enough so far. Um, and you are right. There's there's some real anger around the lack of transfer activity at the back end of the window. Um, I think for Oxford to go into um, this, you know, after the transfer window without uh, with Steve Seddon being the only specialist left back is, has really upset some some Oxford fans, given that it's been evident, you know, he was dropped on performances at the beginning of January. And then two windows later, still no one has been brought in to compete with him. Um, and for that reason, I do think, which is important for a lay bet, if things don't go too well early on Saturday, um, I don't think the atmosphere is going to be particularly conducive to a good performance. I think things could get a little bit nasty, uh, as nasty as it can get in a stadium with just three stands. Um, there's, there always, there's, there's an obvious There's a exit. cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it just goes out the other end. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, for my goals pick, again, going back to the well, apologies to those who backed Preston's uh, game of Cardiff as over two and a half goals last week. <laughs> Obviously, it was nil-nil. Um, I'm, 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 I'm doing it again. I just, I have to, I'm, I'm a slave to the data. I can't get out of here. Um, this is all I can do. Uh, and as long as Preston's games are, are heavily odds against two and a half, I'm going to be backing it. Uh, 13 to 10, it is for overs at home to, to Birmingham. Um, I think that, Preston season so far is probably if we were to do a list of the most crazy things that have happened in the EFL since the podcast began, I think this run of Preston's would be right up there. Seven games into the season, seven clean sheets, two goals scored. I mean, five nil nil draws and two one nil wins. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, we saw in their um, in their game in midweek where they they got a win and won at one nil. Um, we saw Coventry hit the woodwork twice. Um, we saw another fairly high XG ranking. I mean, the, the, the cagiest game so far this season was their game away at Cardiff last Saturday by Miles. Uh, I think it plays into their hands a bit that they're going to be at, at home for this one, uh, which should enable them to, to create even more. And we know that Birmingham are a side that are, are pretty porous so far this season, um, but themselves are, are, are capable of scoring goals. I still just have to be convinced, you know, when given that, Preston are overperforming in terms of their defensive record by about seven goals and underperforming their um, uh, their goal scoring by about eight goals. Something's got to give very soon. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just totally convinced that at some stage, I thought about doing over three and a half here, but I think I'll just try and take the win where I can. And, um, and at some point, um, Preston are going to be breached and they're going to start tucking those chances away. And, and I think it should help. I know a lot of Preston fans just cannot understand why Chad Evans continues to start ahead of um, Emil Reese. Reese came off the bench to score um, the winner in midweek. Hopefully, that means he'll get the nod here on Saturday, which I think will improve their attacking output. No end. Hard to disagree with that, my friend. Uh, I got my BTTS no up last week. I went sort of statsy with it, Barrow and Wimbledon. Uh, I've applied the same logic here, but in classic fashion, got a bit greedy and made a double rather than a single. So two uh, BTTS no games in League One. Uh, they're both at 1.9. Uh, they are Forest Green against Shrewsbury, BTTS no, and Port Vale against Cheltenham, 
Cheltenham, BTTS, no, the double is 3.61 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I see both of these as being very low margin games, low on shots. Um, it, it would it would be following a trend of almost all four of these teams this season. Both Forest Green and Shrews are well below average as attacking outfits so far. Shrews are a very, very tough nut to crack defensively, though, um, and they're up there with the best defensive teams in the league. Very difficult for me to see that game being particularly open. BTTS, no. Forest Green, Shrews. Similar story with Vale and Cheltenham. Uh, if you look at the open play attacking metrics, you're looking at two below average teams. But if you look at open play defensive numbers with the Opta Analyst, they have the fourth and fifth best defensive numbers. So Vale will fancy themselves from set-piece situations. Cheltenham are not being good defensively uh, from those situations this season. But overall, I'm seeing two low-scoring games. The BTTS no double, 3.1 with the sportsbook. Port Vale, Cheltenham, Forest Green, Shrewsbury. Uh, remember that Betfair's Bet Builder allows you to combine multiple selections easily into one bet. And Betfair has a popular bet builder, or has a lot of popular bet builders, in fact. You can easily add them, the trending Football League bet builder selections, to your bet slip in one tap. If you're on the football section of the Betfair Sportsbook app, you will see the popular bet builders clearly uh, and see which ones you like. Let's finish with a goal scorer each, George. Yeah, my goal scorer um, going to Bristol City, who I think we can be pretty confident, you know, they've scored in every goal, every game so far this season. Um, they go to uh, Blackburn. I think Bristol City are a fair price. They'd have been kind of next on the list to win this game at five to two, uh, or maybe a draw no bet, because I think Blackburn are, are definitely overperforming a little bit. And, um, and Bristol City looked to me to be a side who their attacking rhythm and verve um, is, is right in order under Nigel Pearson at the moment. Um, but look, you know, how do you choose? Which goal scorer to pick? Um, I got Tommy Conway up in the in the betting column a couple of weeks ago. Um, we're seeing Andy Vyman still providing a big goal threat from from playing ten. Uh, Naki Wells uh, back in the goals too. I think it basically all comes down to price. I think you have to look at the prices and work out who seems to be the outlier. And for me, I think Antoine Semenyo at three to one um, is any time is the way to play this one. Um, he hasn't started a championship game yet. I've got a feeling now that the window has slammed shut and he is back and fit from, from injury, we're going to see Semenyo start ahead of Conway here. Um, you know, Conway was taken off. Uh, you know, it's been an unbelievable start to his senior career at Bristol City. Um, but I think he might be taken out of the firing line after playing a run of games. And Semenyo, so far this season, um, has scored three goals in about 70 minutes of football in League <laughs> and Cup. Uh, he's come off the bench three times. He's scored in all three. He looks incredibly sharp. Any concerns um, that his injury could have had any any impact on his explosive pace or his ability? I mean, he's just such a, a a wonderful footballer, and his injury, I think, is going to be the only thing that has prevented him from moving to the Premier League this summer. He is destined for the for the very top, and as I say, I think now that the window is closed and him going on a mad scoring spree uh, will only be a good thing for Bristol City rather than attract um, his uh, attract Premier League clubs to his ability. Uh, I'd see no reason why he shouldn't start here. Um, and he's priced up. You know, if you're looking at the the prices, Necky Wells is the, the shortest price. And then he's three to one alongside Vyman. Um, you know, I, I think given his goal scoring record recently and his ability, um, he should be uh, a bit shorter than that. So, um, yeah, I fancy City to go well. I think of, of all the Bristol City players, I think Semenyo is the most attractive in terms of price, especially because he, even if he doesn't start, you know, we can be pretty confident that he's good for a goal uh, if he plays the last half hour. You know, there's not a massive discrepancy in my mind. Um, him playing 60 or him playing 
the last 30. Um, so I'm not too bothered about the team selection either. Well, mine is a centre-back uh, and it pertains to your goals pick. I would also love some goals in that Preston game, specifically from the home team, Preston against Birmingham. Uh, you, well, I initially made the analogy of a ketchup bottle that needs shaking and then everything mm. flies out. Um, you made it again last week. I think by week three, we have to upgrade it. What we need is uh, someone to drop a mento into <laughs> Preston's bottle of Coke uh, and yeah. just let this go goal crazy. And if so, I'm on Liam Lindsay, their centre-back, 16-1 to anytime. Uh, just one full point on the 16-1 to anytime uh, for Lindsay to score with the Betfair Sportsbook. Preston... They've had seven corners a game at home this season. That's an above average number. And I expect them to make the running here. They play a lot down the sides. So I, I, I can't see how they'd be um, sort of how they'd be a, a corner drought. Um, they'll be confident after that win in midweek. Very hard to make a case for Birmingham confidence after five without a win. Uh, they have faced the third most set piece shots so far. Birmingham conceding three goals from those situations in their games. So, Lindsay averages more than one set piece shot per game so far this season. He's he's racked up or he's generated around one expected goal so far without scoring. Only Wallace of Millwall, Wilmot of Stoke and Wood of Rotherham have a higher XG tally this season out of the championship centre-backs. And Lindsay's getting in good positions for them. He's had four shots in inside the six-yard box already. And his aerial win percentage is better than any Birmingham player this season. Uh, I am excited about this one, as you can tell. Lots of research gone into it. I looked at all three leagues, all the centre-backs, everything I could find, and I landed on Liam Lindsay, 16-1 to anytime to score for Preston this weekend. George, if you could recap your selections, please. Yeah, the nap is Sutton, uh, home to Harrogate. Next best is your nap, Carlisle. Uh, laying Derby at home to Plymouth Argyle, over two and a half in Preston, Birmingham, and Tony Semenyo, three to one to score any time for Bristol City. This week, I've picked Carlisle United as my nap at 2.15, Cambridge at home to Lincoln, my next best, 2.45. I've laid Oxford at 1.7 on the exchange, uh, BTTS no double, Forest Green Shrews and Port Vale Cheltenham, the double at 3.61. And my goal scorer pick is Liam Lindsay, 16 to one anytime for Preston, at home to Birmingham. A big thank you to Betfair for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, if you like reading stuff, well, betting.betfair hosts some Not the Top 20 podcast written content. Uh, this weekend, you can read updated thoughts on the Championship League One and League Two outright markets. Just going back through our 1 to 24s seeing anything major that's changed uh, and suggesting who looks like good value. What are we, just over a month into the season? Head to betting.betfair for that. And then there'll be a Reading versus Stoke. That one's at Sunday at midday on Sky, a preview written up on betting.betfair. There'll be a Bet Builder video as well on the Betfair social media channel. So check that out. We'll be back again on Monday. Going to be good fun to be back doing a Monday pod with George. We'll see you then. Go out.